Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 10th of April 2022, 9.30 service. Tim Davis speaking in the series, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. Uh, it's Palm Sunday. It's a day uh, which often, I think, in, results in unintended hilarity within the church. Uh, why it only seems like the other day, it's probably a few years ago to be fair, uh, when Stephen was up here on the platform trying to give a serious notice about the services coming up in Easter, and behind him there was a mass of about a dozen children staging a mock sword fight with their palm crondé so- um, crosses, palm Sunday crosses. Uh, yeah, pity we don't have those anymore. The um, palm Sunday sword fight is a tradition I'd like to see resurrected. Uh, I remember when I was a choir boy at All Saints, Kingston, uh, and we would stand for the gospel reading, holding our Palm Sunday crosses. Um, and there'd always be one or two miscreants in the choir who had spent the previous 15 minutes just dutifully peeling their crosses. So when they held them up, it was just this floppy mess of something. Uh, I could see Kath sitting there thinking, oh, thank goodness my youngest isn't there today, not to have done that. Um, and of course, you know, Palm Sunday is the only time other than Christmas when it's you know, appropriate, and in fact, I'd say necessary even, to have a donkey in church. And of course, nothing could possibly go wrong with live animals in church, could it? Um, so yeah, I always look forward to Palm Sunday. Um, so why, on this day in particular, are we thinking about Jesus Christ, the Son of David? Well, it's a day that it celebrates an occasion when a crowd of people, as we heard in the reading, welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as the Messiah, the son of David. And we're going to start off, so I'm going to let Stephen come up and grab a microphone, to kind of find out, just from you yourselves, how much we know about Palm Sunday. Uh, so the first question, first of all, can anyone tell me why today is called Palm Sunday? No. Right, clearly we don't know very much about Palm someone Sunday. Know that. Someone will know that. Oh, okay. Anyone want right, to Right, here we to? go. They put palms down on the road for yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. And it wasn't because Jesus, when they came in, was hands in the air, sort of going, high five, Jesus, high five, my palm. Uh, no, it's because when he arrived in the city of Jerusalem, the most important place for the Jewish people, a large crowd gathered, waving palm leaves, and laid them and their cloaks across the road, giving Jesus the royal treatment, welcoming him as a king. Uh, second question, and it's an easy one. What did the crowd shout? Well, I'm not actually going to ask Stephen to get Stephen to do this because it's, you know, it's literally the title of this talk. <laughs> uh, what did the crowd shout? They shouted. Is that up there, Abby? Hosanna in the highest. Yeah, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Uh, now, a slightly harder question. Can anyone tell me what they think Hosanna means? I see Jamie shaking his head going, no, 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 don't ask me. <laughs> Himself out. <laughs> okay. And Alistair Jones. Alistair Jones is pretty pretty good. Go on, Alistair. I'm sure you've done this in Pathfinder at some point Praise over Praise the Lord. So, yeah. No. no. Um, <laughs> you know, Hosanna means save us. Um, save us. It's an odd word, Hosanna. It's a cry of praise, actually, but one which means save us, deliver us. So to use it as a form of praise, uh, you can sit down, I'll see um, means, but hold on to the mic because you will need it. Um, it means, you know, if you use it as a form of praise, you're acknowledging that the recipient of this act of praise is the one who is going to save. So they're proclaiming Jesus as a saviour. Uh, the word Hosanna it has its origins in one of the Psalms, Psalm 118. Um, the Jewish words used for the words, save us, we pray, O Lord. 
are combined to form the word that in English is Hosanna. Um, so yeah, it doesn't mean you, know, so you, you wait for your friend Anna in the garden and as she comes around the corner, you hose her with a water. No, it actually means save us. It's a cry. And that may sound a slightly odd thing to do, to shout at a triumphal, celebratory way, doesn't it? You sort of celebrate in a way of the arrival of king. You're saying, help us, deliver us. And yet it's here. It's one of those really public displays that we see God answering his people's cry for salvation. And what's also interesting is that the crowd, they didn't say, save us, Jesus, did they? They said, save us, son of David. And why was that important? Um, we're doing this series, um, looking at um, Jesus, the son of David. And he's called the son of David about 15 times in the New Testament. And we've looked at several of them so far in the series. In the Bible, son can have more than just one meaning. It doesn't literally just mean somebody's son. It can mean a bit more. It can refer, obviously, to the biological, immediate son of somebody, of an earthly father. Son of Joseph, for example, is what Jesus is often called. But it can also have other meanings. The proper understanding of Jesus as the son of God is found both in a literal and theological interpretation in the title. Now, taken literally, Jesus was a direct descendant of King David, the king of Israel. When Matthew begins his gospel, he starts with an abbreviated family line of Jesus, noting clearly his connections ancestrally to both Abraham and David. Uh, now, for most readers of the Bible, a genealogy is kind of like as exciting as reading a telephone book, really. It's just a list of names. Uh, but Stephen began this series looking at it, and I love the genealogies. Um, you get to see this kind of history of Jesus' ancestry all through the Bible. You get to see all the people whose names you recognize and see how the events that took place in their lives were crucial for leading ultimately to the birth of Jesus. So when people referred to Jesus as the son of David, they were quite correct in, a G in addressing Jesus by this ancestral title. But for a Jew in Jesus' day, both this genealogy and the title son of David would have had a much more attention-grabbing power than it might seem to us now. It would have summed up all of their hopes and expectations about what God had been promising to do in their lives ever since the time of Abraham. And it would have triumphantly announced that God's plan had come to completion in their own lifetime. That's why it was so exciting. The promised Messiah, the one who would come to save the Jewish people, was promised to be a direct descendant of King David. It's what God promised to David through the prophet Nathan when he told him, the Lord himself will establish a house for you. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Jesus was not just the literal son of David, but spiritually he came as the promised Messiah. Jesus came as the fulfillment of the promise to David from God. He came as the fulfillment of prophecies spoken by Isaiah and the other prophets, those readings we often hear at Christmas time. And so when people call Jesus son of David, they may have just been repeating what they heard others say about Jesus. 
but many of them would have really believed that Jesus was, in fact, the promised Messiah in the here and now with them. For example, we heard a few weeks ago about the story of blind Bartimaeus, uh, who referred to Jesus as the son of David when he asked for his sight. Others who sought healing from Jesus also used this title in their plea. And here the crowds cried out, Hosanna to the son of David, as he entered into Jerusalem. And yet at no stage does Jesus claim not to be the Messiah. I think he even teases the Jewish leaders with hints at his identity. And as we heard in that second reading that we had, it's, it's a slightly odd reading to try and make sense of. But he decides, he's going to ask the people, say, why is the Messiah called the Son of David? But in this case, it's a small s, you notice. When we see Jesus' title, the Son of David, it's often a capital. But he's saying, why is he called him the Son of David? He points out that David says, the Lord said to my Lord. So God is addressing someone David refers to as my Lord. And you wouldn't call your own direct son Lord, my Lord. No, especially if you happen to be the king. So how can his immediate son, this Lord, be the Messiah? And I like to imagine the crowd murmuring in agreement. Kind of, oh, yeah, yeah it's right. of course it can't be. It's not actually David's literal son. No, 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 it's it. it must be someone else. And then perhaps Jesus giving them this kind of knowing wink and a smile. I'm sure he probably didn't give a proper knowing wink and a smile, but I like to picture it. And uh, thinking, you know, someone asks, so is this Jesus the promised Messiah then? Maybe. The Jewish people were in need of a saviour. They wanted freedom from Roman rule. God responded to his people's cry for help by sending his son Jesus to save. But he didn't exactly arrive in the way they were expecting. Uh, so we're going to ask Stephen to hop up again. So we're going to go back to our questions, see how much you know about Palm Sunday. Um, now we know from the passage that Jesus was riding on a donkey. Um, but when he arrived at Jerusalem, can you tell me why he had to arrive on a donkey? I show as much you're paying attention to the reading. Why did he have to arrive on a humble donkey? Roz? It was prophesied. Brilliant, Roz. If I had a prize, you'd have one. But I don't. <laughs> so, well done, Roz. There we go. Um, yeah. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy from nearly 500 years earlier. The prophet Zechariah prophesied the event we now call Palm Sunday. He said, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. God always had a plan. Hundreds and hundreds of years before, God spoke through the prophets and revealed that he had a master plan to save mankind from this problem that we all shared, the problem of sin. Jesus rode into Jerusalem, welcomed as a king. The crowd waved palm leaves and laid them on the ground. Others took off their cloaks and tunics and laid them on the ground too so that Jesus could ride over them. And this was a really special thing to do. It too had its roots in Jewish history. Hundreds of years before, King Jehu was given similar treatment in the Bible. In two kings, you can read it, it says the people quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. Now, Jesus was getting a pretty special royal welcome, and yet there he is on a humble donkey. 
The significance of Palm Sunday is to see Jesus as both Messiah and King, but also as the humble servant. He didn't arrive in a huge golden chariot pulled by half a dozen mighty stallions, dressed in fine robes and wearing a crown. Instead, he arrives on this humble donkey, just as the prophet said. And as he rides into Jerusalem, this central location and focus of the Jewish faith, it's a city under occupation by the Romans, assisted by the Jewish leaders because it also served their own self-interest to do so. And yet here was someone called a king and from the royal line of David, someone who might have a rightful claim to the throne and be king of Israel. And this was a massive threat to the Romans because here was someone who they feared could really stir up and lead a rebellion against them. And the leaders of the Jewish people, this promised Messiah, you know, that's definitely not what they wanted. And the Jewish leaders who hated Jesus because not only did he not give them the honour that they thought they were due, but in fact publicly called them out on their own flaws and hypocrisy. You know, they realised, well, maybe we can use this against Jesus. You know, he, he can't be the Messiah, surely. So if he says so, then it's blasphemy. And, you know, that, that's a charge that will stick. That's how we get rid of this Jesus, this upstart who risks upsetting the order of things that are currently working out so well for us. And it's that which leads up to the events of the following week. But on Palm Sunday, we focus on what it means for Jesus to be the son of David, the Messiah, a king. He was the Messiah. He was to be the king. But both the crowd and the Romans and the Jewish leaders had got it wrong as to the type of king he would be. This was no ordinary king, you know, if a king can actually ever be described as ordinary. But it was not the king the Romans feared. He wasn't there to lead a rebellion against them, but to bring an end to their rebellion against God. The people were looking for a leader, but what they got instead was a redeemer. Let's just consider the events immediately before and after this episode of Palm Sunday in the Bible. Just before he comes to Jerusalem, Jesus healed two blind men who called out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And then after arriving at Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple and he goes crazy, driving out the moneylenders and the people selling animals for sacrifice. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem not as a mighty warrior, but as a humble servant, knowing that he would soon die a horrible, horrific death, but did so in order to truly save each and every one of us. To know Jesus is to follow Jesus. The Christian faith is the story of Jesus. We should live it as his disciples witnessed it, being Christ-like in our behavior, doing what Jesus did. You cannot know who Jesus is after the resurrection unless you've learned to follow Jesus during his life. We know Jesus at the cross and resurrection, but we must also journey with him in his ministry we must show compassion for those around us in need, as Jesus did. And we must also get angry at injustice and inequality in the world. 
Jesus was welcomed as a king, yet his anger was not directed at the Romans, but towards the people in charge of leading the Jews in their faith. He doesn't start a rebellion in the land. He starts a rebellion in the church. To understand what God was doing in the events around Easter and at Palm Sunday is to really understand what God's plan was and would involve. Because he doesn't do what you might expect, and certainly not what the people expected. They welcomed him as a king, as the Messiah. They expected him to lead them in rebellion against the Romans, to bring their freedom. But that wasn't how God planned to bring people freedom, real freedom. It didn't need a war, it needed a sacrifice. That is why the title, Son of David, matters to us. Because until this moment, we didn't understand what God was doing when he promised that the Messiah would come and bring salvation to all. It wasn't about who was in charge here on earth. It wasn't about which part of the world you called home. It was about more than that. The Romans were not the biggest threat to the Jewish people. Sin was the greater enemy. Sin held all of us in captivity, unable to be welcomed into God's kingdom. His perfect love could not be spoilt by our imperfect sin. But his perfect love could overcome this and pay the price once and for all. That same crowd that chanted Hosanna would a week later turn and instead shout for Jesus to be crucified. Not carrying him on their shoulders as a triumphant leader, but making him carry his cross to his death. Not dressing him in fine robes and a crown, but stripping him and mocking him and beating him and placing a crown of thorns on his head. Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Jesus Christ is far greater than any the mind of man could ever conceive of or plan. We looked for someone to fight our battles in the present-day world. Yet God had the ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the final battle over sin and death. This is the greatness of why we celebrate this whole Holy Week, from Palm Sunday through to Easter Sunday. Because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, we can be set free of death and live with our Father in heaven for eternity. We think about the different names we give to Jesus, and each one of them will mean something important. Friend, Saviour, Son of God, the Good Shepherd. But when we think of his title as King, as proclaimed by the people when they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David, we need to acknowledge what this should have, what this should mean in our lives. Jesus is Lord over all, and that means he must be sovereign over our lives. We can't ignore his commands to us because he is Lord over all. When Jesus says we must love one, one another, we must do so because he is king of our lives. When Jesus says we must repent and say sorry for the wrong things we do, we must do so because he is Lord over all. When he says go the extra mile, when he says turn the other cheek, when he says care for the poor and needy, when he says stop obsessing over money and wealth, when he says forgive, when he says let your light, the light of God, shine in this world, we must do so because Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, 
saviour of the world, is our heavenly king. And we owe him all the glory and honour and praise that's due his name.